Nearly 60 years ago, when basketball fans jammed Old Carter Gym for the Harnett County High School Championship, little did anyone know that those in attendance would be witnesses to history. That night, February 29, 1964, Boone Trail and Anger played a game that lasted 13 overtimes before Boone Trail won 56-54. No basketball game since then on the high school, college, or professional level has lasted as long. Frank Stewart was a senior guard for the Boone Trail Pioneers and led all scorers that night with 29 points. He graduated and enrolled in Campbell in the fall of 1964, where he played under legendary coach Fred McCall. Along the way, Frank played an important role on Campbell teams that later became an NAIA powerhouse. He graduated, moved into the teaching and coaching profession, raised three kids, but stayed in touch with his teammates and opponents from that 13-overtime game. My name is Stan Cole, class of 1987, and this is our next installment of Tales from the Creek, where we visit with people who have made this place special over the years. I'm delighted today to be joined by former basketball standout Frank Stewart, Welcome to Tales from the Creek, Frank, and thanks for taking the time to visit with us. Glad to be with you. I had a lot of memories as I drove in today of coming down. Campbell has really changed since 1964. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to walk into uh, Carla Gym now and see uh, the difference in that gym and the gym I just drove by. It is amazing. Frank, let's start at the beginning. How did all this get going? Tell us about what it was like growing up in Harnett County and how you, how you got started playing sports. Well, as I remember it, it started for me about the eighth grade. Uh, coach Black was my high school coach who was very uh, instrumental in my life. He uh, b was a counselor at basketball school. As I remember, it cost about $15 a week that back then. Coach Black would bring his players, whoever was able to come, and I don't know that I ever gave him $15, but uh, he would just uh, add us to the bottom of the list. He had enough power that whoever his players were put me on whatever group I was supposed to be in, and then we would uh, participate. Uh, I got to know a lot of friends, Pete Marriage being one of them. Uh, Pete was about the same age as me, and he was there as a counselor. He played with the college boys, <laughs> we, but he was, as we, over the years, coming back and forth, because uh, I went to basketball school all four years. After I graduated, Coach McCall wanted me to come to uh, basketball school after senior, but I was playing American Legion baseball, and it was a conflict, so I I told him I'd come. I'm supposed to, as a matter of fact, I was supposed to room with Marvin Moss, who was a senior. And I didn't show up when I did get to Campbell Marvin said, Why didn't you come? I said, I had other things to do. And uh but then I did come. Uh that's the whole story in itself how I got here. because uh, I was planning to go to East Carolina, but and uh whether we get into that or not, but I ended up at Campbell and played. Didn't go. Matter of fact, the one one of the stipulations when I was went to Campbell, everybody uh uh how I got here, uh my mom and me came and begged uh, well, Colonel Turrell to let me in. I had to come to summer school, but I said, can't go to summer school. I got the farm. I got to help my dad get the stuff in, to get the crops in. And so he said, I'll tell you what I'll let you do. He knew I played basketball in that game you uh, just talked about. And he said, 
I'll let you come in when got going to summer school, but you'll have to take remedial math and remedial English, and you can't play basketball. I said, okay, I won't plan to play basketball anyway. Well, my first day or two at Campbell, I enrolled. I had Coach Davis, the baseball coach, as my PE teacher. And he recognized me. He said, I thought you were going to East Carolina. I said, I was, but I didn't get in. So my mom come over here and begged me. Colonel Turtle let me in here. He said, well, I, I said, but one of the stipulations, he said, you going to play basketball? I said, no, that's one of the stipulations I got in. I can't play basketball. He said, well, I bet you'll be out there before it's all over with. And sure enough, as soon as Coach McCall saw me in the campus, he called me in his office. He said, come out and walk on. I said, I can't. He said, I'll take care of that. <laughs> so, so he took care of it, so I came out. Well, things went well. I Kind of intimidating when you're 5'8", and you play against 6'8", boys and all. And uh, so I didn't think I did too good. but and, and I probably didn't because he called me in and I said, Frank, you, you, uh, you got a lot of ability. You got a lot of things that would help the team. But at this time, I don't think you're ready. I'll make you the manager. I said, Coach, you can cut me, but I'm not being the manager. <laughs> <laughs> and so he kept me around for whatever reason, uh, for whatever he saw. And I played a little bit. I played on the bar. I played a little bit on the JV team back and forth. That's when I played against Pete when he was down at Southwood. And, uh, and then he would come back to basketball school. We'd come every year, and I'd come every year after I was in the eighth grade, either as a count, as a uh, pl uh, uh, participant or as then as I came as a college. You know, they give us, a, I think they give us $150 if you coached and you came back and worked. Mm -hmm. Well, I worked for a few years while I was playing, and then as I coached, moved into coaching, I came back for 16 years as a count. Mm -hmm. Drove the buzz, did all the things you had to do. But Coach McCall... I saw something that he, I don't know, might have felt sorry for me. I don't know what, I don't know what his, I, but I did get to play some. I would not. And then uh, at my second year, John Marshpanks came. Mm -hmm. They put John in my room. We became roommates for three years. Did he got married? Mm -hmm. and then uh, uh, at my senior year, I roomed with Bob Burke, who was the coach at uh, uh Chawan, no mm -hmm. matter about I think they named, I went to his uh, when they named the floor after Bob. Bob was a good friend, and uh, he came out of South Texas State somewhere for, as a junior college, but uh, and went on into coaching. To, so I went on to teach. As a matter of fact, as I went to Campbell, I played. As I got older, I played. Kitty Faulkner came in. I remember when they recruited Kitty. Uh, uh, I won a scholarship that to start with, and I didn't ever get it uh, a little. I got Coach McCall gave me a little help later on, but uh, it's uh, funny when Kenny came in. I was struggling trying to play, you know, just make my time. He come in, and so I was pretty. And I, that made what reason Coach McCall kept me around. I mean, I I had a lot of grit, I had a lot of fight, and I didn't understand you telling me I couldn't do so. So he. And so I ran over Kenny one night. I couldn't dribble too good with my right hand, with my left hand, but you couldn't take it from my right hand. So I would come down to the left side of the floor with the left. Uh, I'll never forget we played Atlanta Christian. Uh, uh, Frankie Carraway, I believe it was his name, 
man, if you met him at midcourt, he'd take your ball. He'd take the ball from me. I mean, I had to go down the left, but he, if I turned and went right, he couldn't get it. And, uh, but I ran over to Kenny one time because, uh, he, he was pretty good too. Uh, and I was going to the right. Well, he cut me off. I just run over him. I, I could, because if I'd have reversed, he'd have took the ball. Right. So I just run over. Coach McGall, you know, run over his protege that he just brought in. And he said, he drove up there and grabbed me around his shirt, twisted it good and hard, and said, why'd you do that? I said, he got in the way. You know, and, and I, he said, uh, uh, well, uh, you know, he could have gone. I said, I look, I'm out here. It's a fight. It, it ain't about him. It's about me. For me. And uh, he said, uh, okay. And he said, you think you could, he, uh, he said, I, I believe he said, you think you could take me, don't you? I said, I don't know. I'd try you. But he didn't like, Coach McCall was very, most intimidating man probably, uh, it, it, you know, he was in charge. One thing about Coach McCall, he ran the show. I mean, he, I can tell you stories about how he ran us and put us in the, and it's on the line, the things he would do. We practiced from 3.30 to 6.30 every day. And the cafeteria closed at 6.30. We had to hustle down there. And then you were so tired, you couldn't eat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, but I got started at Campbell way back as eighth grader. Came as a student in the basketball school for all the years I was in high school. Then came to Campbell, played I was here five years. Getting back to what I said, I the reason I came to fifth year when I came to to a uh, Cordell's uh, uh, Hall of Fame. I hadn't seen Cordell. I don't guess since sixty nine, but uh, I I did, uh, and I I don't remember playing with Cordell that much. I can I asked him. He came in the I think he came in the fall of sixty eight, which would I'd have been a senior, and I don't know if he was eligible or not. But then I came back to fifth year. I was in I was in line to enroll for my uh, last year, my last semester of college after basketball season was over. I had two classes. I was majoring in business administration. I had money in banking, public finance left to graduate. Coach Roberts was in there. He said, Stuart, what are you going to do next year? I said, I don't know, probably go to Vietnam. The Vietnam was raging then. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, why don't you come back and take the course he knew i had taken a lot of pe courses as my electives mm -hmm. he said you got a lot of uh electives in pe you can come back another year probably and get a teaching certificate and maybe teach and coach so i changed right there in line changed my he changed the direction of my life just by asking me what i'm gonna do next year and i i i changed took a full schedule of pe that next fall in 65 Coach, I think Coach McCall was still the coach, but he resigned seven games into the season that year, and Coach Roberts took over. And I was a glorified assistant coach. Well, we'll this stage they call him the manager. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, uh, I came and I helped. Uh, uh, the manager was White. Uh, what was his first time? I don't know. But it was his uh, last name was White. So I helped him, and and I would do drills and for him and do things, whatever, coach. But, uh, but I, and then I went on to, and my fact, coach McCall was instrumental in getting me the job at Irwin mm -hmm. as a coach. Uh, I think, uh, Mr. Kennedy, the principal called, uh, 
Coach McCall, you got anybody graduating that might be a coach? Mm -hmm. And he told them me, called me. My mom was instrumental then. She ended up getting me a place to stay in Irwin because I I was just stupid enough to know I, I don't care where I go to Irwin or not. But, you know, right. you know, but she didn't want me to go. So at that time, you had an exception for teaching. Mm -hmm. So I went to Irwin two years and uh, coached uh, uh, two years there. Uh, was the head baseball coach and the JV basketball coach. Well, then the Dunn 3A school there came open. And back then, you didn't get a 3A coaching job. Mm -hmm. You had to be served your time. But that, they took a chance on me. And started, I stayed there one year. I loved my coaching job, but I didn't, uh, I didn't like the teaching high school students. Mm -hmm. So I went back to graduate school. Met my wife, then, and I had plans to go on into coaching like Bob had gone. He had done the same thing. He went to Greensboro and, you know, and then went on to Shawan. And the boy that he coached as a junior college boy went to state. What, off Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan. Mm -hmm. And then Nate McMillan, I think, helped him out. Bob went to Portland as a, mm -hmm. some kind of assistant coach. Mm -hmm. But uh, I went back to graduate school, met my wife, and... And then uh, stayed on in Greenville because my wife had another year left at court and coached at uh, Aiden Grifton mm -hmm. for a year. And then we gra when she graduated, I moved back my uh, uh, that summer. Uh, I was at home. I always helped my dad. I always came home. I, don't, I stayed in college five years, but I always come home and help my daddy put the crop in. We picked cucumbers and primed the back. But he, he depended on me a lot to help, and I would always come home. And I continued to come home, even when I started teaching, because the summers were off, and I started teaching. And then we, uh, I was at home with no job in 74, and helped Dad get the crop in, no job. They tried to get me to go to Boone Trail at that time to coach Matton School. But Coach McCall, I mean, Coach uh, Black, was very another big part of my life and he had had an accident and was having some medical problems and i told him i'm not coming here i'm not to have people to think i you know replaced coach black right they said well coach black is gone whether you come or not so i came there and coached two years mm -hmm. and then when it consolidated i chose to stay on because I, my farming had got bigger and bigger and i didn't feel like i could coach at the high school level and give it the time it, that I would expect someone else to give. Right. So I stayed on and coached at JV's, the junior high team, and farm. as in my farm. In 97, my wife died. But circumstances, mm -hmm. ch you know, use circumstances changes your path in life. And it ain't to question it changed mine. I don't, I look back and, and, and uh, I don't regret any decisions I made. And, and but I can see many times, you know, you come down to, fork in the road you got to choose away and then you go vault so frank um going back to your youth uh sports and farming was that kind of uh what your life looked like by that school sports and farming? yeah you know what a uh, one th one thing my i had three sons mm -hmm. uh they lost their mom when uh the the youngest one was 11 and the mm -hmm. middle one was 14 and the oldest one was 16 and uh, so uh, it was me and the three boys. Mm -hmm. And I 
My oldest boy was probably the best athlete, but he didn't have the love for it. But my two middle sons were good. They played in a 4A conference. Uh, Doug had offers to play football, but didn't. He didn't like the con. He didn't like to be it. But getting to Greg, Greg, the youngest one, he got the player of the year two years. But I mean, and he's in a four A conference. Mm-hmm. And to get player of the year or athlete of the year for two years in a row, but every before they go in the community, they would all say, "You play basketball?" And they say, "Yeah, I play a little bit." You know, they say, oh, "I don't know. You'll never be good as your dad." They. <laughs> They lie to you, and they said, "Daddy, I good were you." I said, "Boys, I don't know that I can even make your high school basketball. <laughs> it's a different game." And they get into big arguments now: who's better, who's better. The game has cha- it changes, and we had one or two people on our team that could dunk. Mm-hmm. Now, the five eights dunk. Mm-hmm. It's different, absolutely. And uh, and so I got started. Out of just hard work and grit. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of a basketball ability, but I did. I was quick, I was strong, and I was determined. And, but, you know, and when you pick cucumbers all day or prime tobacco all day, you get a sense of determination mm-hmm. that you're going to make it. And that's kind of the way I got to play a camp. It, mine was not one ability. I, I had, most of those boys that came from up north, from Riverside and all, had a lot more ability than they than I did, but I got by on just pure determination. Frank, tell me about Coach Al Black. Um, I got to know him later on when he came back and helped out in the uh, '80s and '90s at the camp. And the and, and by that time, you know, Coach was still helping out with the basketball side. But he always had one night every week where he bought tons of churns of ice cream yeah. and all the counselor all the counselors got ice cream and stuff. But tell me a little bit about well, Al Black. Coach Black. He came to Boone Trail as a coach out of Lillington. You know, he was from Lillington. Mm-hmm. He lived on the border of the of the uh, Lillington Boone Trail area. And matter of fact, he had a nephew that he took on his his wife's sister's children. He came. Gene came to Coach Black's house, and when he was a junior. He is as good a shooter as I've ever seen. Matter of fact, he in, when he was 65 years old, I rammed a little bit, but he was 65 years old. He joined his senior games, and he won the shooting contest. He made 18 in a row where you had to have, you made three and three and three, three, 18 in a row and became that. He played at Cam for mm-hmm. one year, and he could shoot with him, but, but he couldn't get open to shoot. His, his dream and all. But Coach Black was a good man. Ain't no question. But he was in an accident. I'm, uh, he was in the reserves. Mm-hmm. And they were on the summer camp. And somebody was putting, they were putting up tents. And somebody, you know how they stack those poles on mm-hmm. the top? Sure. And all that's got that ball on top of the tent that right. goes in that. Well, somebody threw up a, ice, a bowl of ice and swung it. And the end come off and hit him right between the eye. Mm. And they opened his brunt. You know, he had pictures of them. Mm-hmm. It changed him. And he 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 still can he still coached and he but it changed his whole personality. But Coach Black was instrumental in the basketball school. You're right. He mm-hmm. came. He ran a, a he ran a uh, uh, 
a, a station at a gym, and but he always brought his boys. One thing I told somebody, the reason Coach Black was so successful in the, as a country coach is he put in the time. He was not a big X and O's much. I don't remember setting up, you know, a 2 2 1 press and all that, but he opened the gym and he made it available and he spent a lot of time with. And back in that day, all we had was the gym. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when we got the first people, you know, my, my son, I remember when we got our first television. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I've been around the lowers. Can you imagine a young person now? Uh, what's what the technology now? But I remember at the, when when I was right before I probably I was early fifth early fifties. Uh, so when I was about the eighth grade, we had one, but uh, we got it probably around fifty five. Mm-hmm. I can remember not having a television in my house, but uh, I I remember listening to Billy Parker and all of them on the, Lynn Chapel on the radio. That's way out. But Coach Black. Ain't no question, he probably influenced my life and helped me on the path that I ended up going to more than anybody. You know, picking me up. Man, well, back then we walked to practice. Mm-hmm. You, you, if you stayed out to school and practiced, you walked home. You didn't. Well, parents didn't have time to go pick you up, or if they did, didn't have a car to go pick you. Up. And so, with Coach Black, he looked after his players. Just like what I told you a while ago, he on basketball school. He put us on the frost, you know, I, uh, and we, uh, but he, and he, he I, I said, they were one man probably influenced me anymore growing up. The only man that probably influenced me more than Coach Black was my dad. Frank, let's take us back to that leap day, 1964. What are some of your clearest memories of that game that that night? You know, everybody I've seen was at that game. <laughs> <laughs> but matter of fact, I just ran into them. The, the principal of my senior year of high school, uh, Jack Cashin's son, came to our Ruleton meeting this past Thursday. And the first thing he asked me, did, did I play in that game? I said, I did, you know. But his dad told him about it. Mm-hmm. But he won't. Uh, but his dad was didn't last but one year. But he was a good man. But as a player, I'm sure the tension. I can. I know when my boys were playing and I watched mm-hmm. them. I know I was a lot more nervous watching them play than I was the night we played. And back then the rules were, you know, whoever got the ball held it. Mm-hmm. Now, we had three times, I don't know, three or four over times that the situation on the tip ball was opening, we scored. Mm-hmm. Other teams scored, and then we held it again. Mm-hmm. And it was all, and everybody said, well, how did you, uh, how did y'all play that long, that tired? Well, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that active under 13 over. It, activity took place in the beginning. I don't remember the tension, uh, you know, but my parents got home, they were probably a nervous wreck, you know, of trying to, that. but you know, we were very competitive with Anger in football and basketball. In fact, I'll tell you this, we, we were seven and three in football that year and Anger tied us, and you know what the score was? 13 to 13. <laughs> so, but 
I don't remember details about that game. As I, like I was told by Cordell, looking back, I can't remember if I played with Cordell or not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember playing with Johnny and uh, Dickie Waters and uh, players. That, that, but uh, uh, Cordell, because I, I asked him, I said, well, you could. He said, I came to, in, the, in the January of 68. And that was my senior year. Right. Well, see, we were in mid-season mm-hmm. in 68. January, you don't have about four or five more games after January. Right. I, and, and so probably the season ended in February. So I, I didn't play with him. I don't know if he's even eligible in the 68 year. Yeah, he played in that 67-68 season. Uh, that was his first after coming from, from Temple. And then again, um, so he did play some day. He did. Yes, he did. He, um, and... Um, and had a dramatic impact. Um, looking back again, after 12 overtime periods, nine of which were scoreless, according yep. to everything I've read. I wasn't there. I was born two weeks later. <laughs> uh, you, you stole the opening tip and made a layup to put Boone Trail ahead. Did something, did y'all see something that, that uh, you, you, you tipped it off, or was it just instinct no, on that play? Just the ball... Whoever was tipped to missed it, and I shot through and picked it up, and there was an opening, and I took it. You know, because you know we we won't, and we were we would try to score all off the tip, mm-hmm. but after everything got settled in, why not? Back then, they want a shot clock, on that it was three minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you held the ball, so and the initial tip took place. You down to what two and a half minutes. So then if you don't get a pretty good shot, you're not going to risk taking another one. Mm-hmm. If you can hold the ball, you hold it. Back, now you got 30 seconds. So you can't hold it. But then you could hold it to the, to the end of the shop. So it was the, – the tension was, I guess, is, the, is, is down to the last second. Mm-hmm. It was just – it won't uh, – it won't uh, – I mean, they weren't out pressing, trying to take the ball. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was we stood there and you dribbled it, and when it got down to ten or fifteen seconds, you made a move. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we scored one time. I don't know what double time was, right at the end, and left enough time that Angie could come back and score too. You know, and then we, but there again, on I think the thirteen overtime. Now I may may miss speak here. We scored early. Uh and just come down and missed, and then fouled me again. And we went four up. Mm-hmm. We won by two. Mm-hmm. So we went four up in the 13th overtime. Right. Frank, when you walked off the court after that 13th overtime, um, did you and your teammates and your competitors realize what you had been a part no, of? Oh, no. It, do we, you know, I, as I remember, what I remember, we went home. It, 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 we were, We were... Uh, it wasn't, I don't remember, maybe I'm wrong, I don't remember a court rush, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, they, I'm sure there was one, uh, I can, I can tell the stories of where there was a court rush back in, uh, when I was in ninth grade, we had mm-hmm. one, but, uh, and a lot of times you, you don't remember, I don't remember details because like I said, if everybody had told me that game, that gym wouldn't hold. No. 
they might not fit in the three thousand seat arena, much less the fifteen hundred seats that were that were there. But is but in details, it, I don't remember the nervousness or the excitement or whatever. It, it, my mom and dad didn't come home and said, "Were you nervous?" I don't, I don't remember being nervous uh, at. But you, when you get involved in the game, and I'm sure now when the boys standing at foul line mm -hmm. and the game's on the line, if you're nervous, you don't usually, I guess that's the reason you miss it. Our guest on Tales from the Creek is Frank Stewart, class of 1968, basketball standout and the leading scorer in the longest game in basketball history. Frank, you touched on it earlier. You attended the basketball school in eighth grade. And you met, a, struck up a friendship with a pretty darn good basketball player. Uh, what did you learn from Pete Maravich? Oh well, Pete was a whole different level. Even I can remember when he was coming as a counselor, as a eighth grader, ninth grader. Uh, I believe uh, Lynn Chapel was at Wake Forest and Woodard, and he would shoot foul shots for them. He didn't play with us. Mm -hmm. You know, he he was a whole different level of ability above any of us but he still was 14 to 15 years old I mean mm -hmm. it is and so we developed a friendship he'd go uh, he's been out to my house we went to Myrtle Beach together and uh, we had a, a friendship that as it drifted apart as he went on to Broughton and then we ran back into one another when he went to Southwood mm -hmm. and played against other. But that great, that's a a quick inter, a quick visit, but right before the game or maybe after the game, you know, you don't have much time. But back when he was in the eighth, ninth grade, coming to camp, we spent time together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that uh, you know you don't realize you don't know how close. Down the years, I mean, when he was at LSU and went on the professional, I didn't, you didn't ever see each other or do anything. But, but, but he was, uh, when he was a skinny little old big nosed kid, we were close. <laughs> what are some of the other notable players or coaches that you remember from your time at the basketball school? Well, uh, like I said, there's no question, Coach McCall. He he's probably the most intimidating figure I've ever met, uh, as far as in being in charge. And mm -hmm. he was in charge, mm -hmm. and he used it to you know, uh, all the boys that were on scholarship. He felt like he had a little more power over them than mm -hmm. the ones that weren't on scholarship. You know, and uh, so, uh, but he he was a strong man. Mm -hmm. He was a strong man. He, he I bet, uh, but uh, I had I and, and Coach Roberts. I didn't ever play for Coach Roberts. My relationship with Coach Roberts was really a closer relationship after in the last ten years mm -hmm. before he died. I mean, I, he lived in the community. I took him to the doctor, and we talked about you know, And that's what I told him. I said we want to write a book about Coach McCall because. I can tell you stories about Coach McCall, things that happened uh, that over the years, we went to Erskine one time playing, and uh, they kicked him out of the, they kicked, they got a technical about the referees or something, and they kicked him out of the game. He wouldn't leave. And uh, he, uh, so Red Myers, who was the coach at Erskine, 
I think he had a little pile where he went to the fish and said, look, don't, just let him stay, just let him. So he went up in the corner and stayed. He didn't never leave the gym, but uh, uh, stuff like that. I, I remember coming down one time and went to, a, we come in uh, in a, a half time and it was a six pack of six ounce Coca-Cola ball sitting there and he kicked that thing and balls went everywhere. But he, he, uh, he would call me. I don't know. I, he'd say, Stuart, come down here. I'd always sit on the end of the bench. I got away from Coach because he'd beat you to death. But he'd say, Stuart, come here. And he'd put me down, beside him, going to put me in. And he'd beat on me, you know, clapping his hands, beating on me, wouldn't put me in. So we'd have a timeout, so I'd get up and move back there. <laughs> so he'd say, Stuart, come down here. I think he wanted to put me in because he wanted the ball, but he was scared. <laughs> I read he was scared to put me in. But he'd call me down there, and so as soon as I got an opportunity, I'd move down to the other end. But uh, but he, uh, they, I have to say the 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 biggest thing I remember about Coach McCall, he was in charge, and he did take that that right hand especially. He'd lean into you if you're standing next to him, talking to you, and it would it hit you with that as he was just kind of using yeah. his hands, gesticulating. And it and he was a big man, and, it, and sometimes you didn't know how hard you yeah, hit well, somebody. He would call me. He'd say, "Cole, come here." You know, like the same way, and wanted to talk. Well, I'm gonna tell you what he did now. I forget where the game was, but Bob Etheridge, I believe, was a senior when I was a freshman. He didn't mean to do it, but Coach McCall, he got up and called timeout, and he and he got up, and when he turned around, he slung his hand. Bob and the team would sit down, and he slung his arm around like that and hit Bob upside the head, and he couldn't put him back in the game. <laughs> he didn't mean to hit him, but uh, uh, but he he was a strong man. He would he would catch you coming by the window, especially if you were the girl, mm -hmm. and he liked to hang in there and let them know that he ruled him. So I wouldn't go by there. But if he ever did call me in there, I wouldn't stay. And I think that's one thing. I think he kept me around to conquer me. <laughs> Frank, outside of basketball, uh, what are you, what are some of your best memories from your time on campus? Well, there ain't no question. The five years I spent at Campbell College was probably the most enjoyable five years. But it's a different. I don't know how the campus campus is still compact, but I lived in kitchen dorm. No, I lived in late Nanex mm -hmm. the first year. Matter of fact, when I came, you know, coming to college now is an ordeal. I'll tell you how I came to college. My best friend, uh, one of my best friends in, in, in uh, at, uh, uh, at Boone Trail was a freshman at uh, Carolina mm -hmm. when I was a senior in high school. And he had been the quarterback, he'd been a player. And he was going to take his girlfriend back to uh, to uh, Hampton, Virginia, the Sunday that I was supposed to go to camp. Mm -hmm. And it was a hurricane. And we going, taking her back, and we hired her plane in Wilson. But we didn't have no problem. We went on, took her back. And he asked me if I'd ride with him. I said, yeah, I'll ride with you, but I got to go to college tonight. Uh, he said, well, I'll take you and drop you off on my way to Carolina. So my mom got my stuff together. She gave me about four or five shirts about that big. Mm -hmm. I had a radio, a lamp, 
all in one box. And I walked into a room in late Nanix with two boys that had been in college the, the semester before, the, fall, mm-hmm. the, the spring semester. So they were second semester freshmen. And they told me later, we were going to get rid of you, you know, because they had that room all to themselves. Now I'm putting that with them. And they said, we were going to get rid of you. I said, well, y'all didn't do too good a job because I stayed. I didn't even know. So I got involved in basketball. I played basketball. I was gone. Mm-hmm. I come home to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I stayed in the gym. If you went to class, practice started at 3.30, practice at 6.30. You used to give out. You, you, do, you, go to the gym, you go to the library or something. But I said, y'all didn't do too good a job because I didn't even know you were trying to get rid of me. One of them, we got to be close friends later. But I moved into kitchen mm-hmm. the next year, and I stayed in 102 for four years. And John Marshbanks lived with me. He, he was, uh, uh, when I was a, that was my first year at kitchen in 102. And John came in that year, and we put in 102. Pete Wish was the, was the, was the, and Benny Dean. They lived in the first, in the main room. They were the dorm monitors. Mm-hmm. And see, Pete, you know, Pete, uh, uh, Benny had come from, uh, he was a junior college transfer. He'd come from uh, Lewisburg. He was a good shooter, mm-hmm. you know. But like I said, as I, I went to the game the other night, it's a different game now as what we played. I mean, Dickie Waters, if it had the three-point play when Diggy Waters was here, he, he, he could light it up. And Pete Maravich, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, and, uh, I, but the Campbell, I, enjoy, I loved college life. It's, you know, you had to do a little work, but I, I like the, uh, and especially at Campbell, they were about 2,400 students here. Mm-hmm. And I, we had to eat this, all, the only cafeteria we had then was, uh, Marsh Banks Cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So everybody ate there. You met people. I mean, when I, my senior year at 2400, I probably knew 1500 personally. Uh, that's one thing I always told my boys. They went to State, Carolina, Duke. Y'all don't have the same experience I had. Y'all, they lived in, they, they never did live in the dorm. They lived in apartments. I said, you don't, or, or a suite. I said, I don't know. They don't have the same experience I had at Campbell. Uh, I, uh, I didn't encourage them to come to Campbell uh, because, I, uh, you, you know, when you go in here, you don't realize how much it costs to go to a private school versus a state-sponsored school. And, uh, but uh, I, they no question. I, I enjoyed it here. Uh, I met a lot of friends. And the, the only thing I, I wish we... The reunion that people would take place in the reunion, I, but and I'm guilty of it too. Like I'm coming back, but there's there's people I've spent four years of my life with that I hadn't seen since 1968, mm-hmm. Right. And but you know, a four year relationship, you get close, mm-hmm. especially if you live next door to somebody. Absolutely, Frank. When you were a senior, Cordell Wise enrolls at Campbell and became the first African-American student in the school's history. Did you and your teammates think about the significance of that at the time? Was it was it that big of a, a deal? That I, don't remember, it, 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 I don't remember it being a big deal. He was just another player another player from Riverside, uh, and he was good. I mean, he could, uh, 
Coach McCall used to like. He could flat foot and jump straight up and dunk it. That, mm. that was pretty big back then, you know. And uh, uh, Coach McCall would uh, at practice. He said, "Dunk it, dunk it." <laughs> and uh, but I don't remember being in animosity or anything. He was accepted, and he was just another player. I and uh, but you know it's amazing. I I started not to come to that Hall of Fame thing. I said, "I don't work hard. They'll even remember me or not." And uh, as soon as I walked up, he said, hey, Stooky. And he said, have you still got that 65 Chevrolet? <laughs> I said, no. But I said, I wish I did. But uh, it got away from me. But he remembered what kind of car I had. And, and, uh, and, I, and I asked him about a couple of people that, uh, like Gene Wright, who was a good friend of mine, still a good friend. Gene and I are going to play golf tomorrow together. And Jim, Gene just lost his wife. He he. he Gene, if Gene could have, if Gene, and I'm not, if Gene had my grit and meanness, he'd have been a superstar. Larry, uh, uh, Walter Braille, I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. wrong, Walter could shoot. As a matter of fact, they said Coach McCall went to the uh, high school uh, all-star game, and Walter put up 29 points, I think, that game, and Co Coach McCall signed him right that, ni that night. And Coach McCall, I remember he put Walter in, but Rock Walter was so intimidated by Coach McCall, he couldn't shoot in the game like because Coach McCall would holler, shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> so, but but it, it, but I had to say Walter Brown and Gene Wright, but neither one of them. You know, it's you don't realize till you played the game. There's a lot of people that can shoot it. But there ain't a lot of people that can get open. Mm -hmm. You got to be, you, you notice some of these players, if they're wide open, they can burn that three down. But if they have to do anything on the movement, they're a whole different story. Absolutely. And they're not going to let you sit there and shoot it. But, uh, but, but, uh, but, but Gene and, uh, Gene didn't play but one year. He, uh, and then he went, as a matter of fact, he went to Vietnam. And he, but he's doing good. Frank, through the years, the Boone Trail and Andrew teams have gotten together um, routinely, even playing a game in 1974, and gathered to commemorate that 13-overtime game. What's it like when uh, you and your teammates and your competitors get together? Yeah, well, you know, I, we, we joked about that. We played that game at Lillington in a little gym, and I remembered it really well because uh, as uh, Angie always bragged later, we beat you in return. I said, "Yeah, we want the same five. I said, "We we started playing. We were, we were playing against those uh, boys that were ninth and tenth grade." <laughs> so, but we had a good relationship. Uh, Phil Furl was a superintendent of Harnett County. Uh, Robert Hall, I, I think Robert's passed. Uh, I don't know how many. We hadn't had much contact. Coach Black was instrumental in keeping that in line. He made sure we had, uh, but we we had a. We had a ten-year reunion, or five or ten. We've had—I know we've had three. Mm -hmm. And Coach McCall was always—I mean, Coach Black was always instrumental. He—he he took a lot of pride in that, and spent a lot of time organizing that, and loved to talk about it, you know. And uh, and uh, but uh, we were competitive with Andrew. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we would fight about every game uh, in some way, fastball. At the end of the game and after the game, but we always be over with when the game was over. But 
Uh, and we developed a lot of relationships uh, from with Phil and, and Robert Hall and all those. And they spore Boone Trail uh, still living. As a matter of fact, uh, all, we going to get together, uh, supposed to get together on January the 29th, next Thursday, and eat, eat lunch or dinner. Uh, three of us live within five or ten miles of each other. William Brown lives about four or five. And he'll come by from time to time. Gene Wright, I play with golf with him about every week. And uh, Ralph Hester lives in Wilson. but And he comes down. He's still got a brother that lives here. So the four of us that still live and are still in close and still communicate together. Frank, when you later came to Campbell and times that you've been back and gone through Carter Gym, it's you know just across the street really from where we are, we're recording this right now. Um, did your mind ever flash back oh, to yeah, that 13-overtime yeah. game? It, it's, uh, when I came to uh, I came to slip and I don't know who, uh, when I know Danny, Dan, when Danny had his uh, uh, service year, they had a, they met the family in Carter. Right. And that's the last time I've been here. And then they went over to D. Rich for the service. But uh, no, I, Carter Gym has got a lot of members, not only in high school, but, I, you know, during Christmas, the basketball team had to come back early. They heat the dorm, so we stayed in the that back room. That <laughs> underneath dungeon. Absolutely. They got, they got uh, bunk beds down. Mm-hmm. That's where we had to stay for, uh, you know, I remember going to Spindale. But, you know, Campbell was so instrumental in my life. The first time I ever remember eating a salad, was on a trip. You know, we had a pregame meal mm-hmm. and we had a postgame meal. But I never had eaten salads. I don't ever forget the first time I dated a girl at Campbell, or one of the times I dated Campbell, we went to a restaurant where they had a salad bar. Mm-hmm. Well, I was too macho to go to the salad bar. I said, I ain't going up and get no salad bar. I thought it was a woman, you know. And she said, well, I'll go get it. You know, looking back, mm-hmm. how ignorant I was. <laughs> You know, but I didn't, you know, we didn't eat out back then. Mm-hmm. You cooked at home when you played. And the experiences I had at Campbell, that's the type of thing I always see. A student ought to have to go two places. They ought to have to go to college a year, even they flunk out. Mm-hmm. And they need to go military. I didn't never go to military, and I regret it. But there again, I don't, because... I think you'd learn so much about yourself if you, when you, when I, I learned things about myself that I didn't know I had when I came off to camp. I know the first two weeks I was at Campbell, I said, what if I'll ever get to know anybody here? Because everybody was coming back, hugging, and, and you bowled along. Like, I was getting back to the store when you said, uh, Dwayne dropped me off. I mean, I told him, I'll go with you, but... I got to go to college tonight. Mm-hmm. Mama had my little bit of thing. They dropped me off. He dropped me off. We made two trips upstairs to take my stuff. And then he was gone. And there I was. I was in college. I don't like my parents took me and drove me. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that now they have a tractor for a trailer truck. Now they take all they belong. Move-in day is a big day. Is something. When we moved our daughter into UNC Wilmington, um, we had, uh, this would have been in the fall of 2015, 
they had all these student volunteers that would come and empty out. We had two cars. Yeah. Empty out the back of an SUV and the trunk of another car, and they would come pull everything out and move it into that dorm. And I'm sitting there thinking, there is no way they're getting all this in for not just our daughter, Catherine, but her roommate. Yeah. And sure enough, you go in there and it's all stacked up there. Now, they didn't help you move it out. And they didn't help you sophomore year. But that first year moving in, it is an assembly line. It, it, it is absolutely yeah. something. And I can even flash back to my, when I moved in uh, 40 years ago. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a laundry basket that was full of linens and a suitcase and maybe like, you know, a radio or something, a few books and, and stuff like that. But uh, it was not the production that it has become. Oh. Frank, come in, you, you mentioned how the game has changed so much since you played um and uh, certainly the shot clock and the three-point line are the two biggest uh, things that have happened what do you like best about the game as it's changed since your the time when you played well it, it, i was just watching the game last night with my with my son and uh, we were watching uh and uh, and i said you know the one thing that we didn't do because they 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 like to when they hear people talk about the 13 overtime game and me playing mm -hmm. and trying to say, well, how's the game different? I say, you see that guy? Now, when they bring the ball down the floor, and I'm talking about tremendous pressure to take mm -hmm. it, they go between their legs. We didn't go, but I don't remember ever going between my legs playing. I mean, really, I didn't ever. That wasn't part of the game when I played. If you could... I mean, they were people that could take it. I, uh, matter of fact, uh, like I said, I mentioned Frankie Caraway from from uh, Atlantic Christian. If you, you went between your legs, when well, he he'd take it from you. I mean, but they're so good at it. It, it uh, they come down there and they cut that back and forth. They, I mean, I watched last night. Who was I watching? Um, uh, and 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 the board it was taking the ball down the floor, Arkansas and. And uh, Connecticut, my bad. It's all no. It's Arkansas and Connecticut. Who who beat Connecticut last night? I didn't see it. Well, <laughs> Connecticut got beat last. Night. Okay. In number one. Oh, oh, uh, uh, what's the team? In, uh, what's the uh, get uh, the team from? I didn't know they were from Nebraska. Oh, Creighton. Creighton beat them last night. Hey, nineteen points. Mm -hmm. That was a big game because I saw Connecticut play. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I said, "Yeah, they're gonna win national championship," but then they get beat. But I say the handling the ball. I mean, it ain't nothing for. It, I mean, it, it, those guards steal the ball now. They dunk it when they go in for the thing. That's the biggest thing. It's the game is above the rim now, rather than at the rim. Is what I see. Well, and certainly the the skills um, and the fact of uh, and you know Pete Maravich. Earl Monroe with the spin move, Pete with between the legs, behind the back, the the incredible passes, that started. You know, they they said that Pete had played you know twenty years ahead of the times and would have been incredible. His game would have been that, but it became the norm. And and I look back at all those homework basketball drills that that we we did coming up, and that Pete and press press devised for Pete, and then they employed him here at the at the basketball camp, and then the basketball camp I went to at Catawba and everywhere else. You know, you're practicing uh, dribbling behind the back, 
your spin move, your dribble in between the legs, that just evolved in the game just as when I don't remember coming up and shooting the ball from 20 feet because there was no three-point line. Right. Uh, oh, even when, yeah, shot that not ball. till my senior year of college in 86, 87, was it adopted permanently. Right. You, you didn't mm. get anything extra for shooting out there. No. If, you'd, if we'd have shot one that far out with Coach McCall, you wouldn't have played anymore. He would have sat you on the bench, right? <laughs> you, but now the game is shot. Pete, I don't know how he would measure up now, but he had so much knowledge for the game. Mm-hmm. He could throw that ball. He could be the dead run and fling that ball on dead run dribbling. He could do so much more at the, in his time than the average person. But there ain't no question. He would have been able to adjust. Now, a lot of them, there's some shooters that we had. Uh, Dickie Waters mm-hmm. was as good a shooter as I've ever seen, but he was kind of heavy-footed and, mm-hmm. and uh, slow. I don't know. And it's a quick game. And you go from the influence of a, of a Pete Maravich uh, and the way he could pass the ball to a Magic Johnson, who was a six foot nine point guard, which was never going to happen. You, right. We would have thought in the early 70s. But by the end of the decade, here comes Magic Johnson changing the game. And then later on, Michael Jordan and then and uh, LeBron James, who is a tight end playing basketball. And then Steph Curry who changes it, and then you look at it just from a Campbell perspective, a five foot nine guard, Chris Clemens, who could dunk and yeah. also could shoot. It was routine for him to pull up from 30, 35 feet and shoot just a regular jump shot like somebody might shoot a free throw. Oh, yeah. That's, and and uh, as I grew up, you know, David Thompson, mm-hmm. in my mind, was as good or the best college player I'd ever watched. If they'd had to dunk when he was there, I mean, I you can see pictures where he jumps up and drops mm-hmm. it in the, in the basket because he couldn't dunk. The Alcindor rule that they adopted when Lou Alcindor, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, went to UCLA uh, to try to uh, negate the dunk. I remember Tim Stoddard would throw the ball from the from the wing, and David Thompson would go get it for that '74 NC State team, and he had to pull his hands back to drop it in. Yeah, and uh, but it, 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 that, but he, you know, and they went undefeated. People don't realize that the state went undefeated the year before they won the national championship mm-hmm. in '74. They went two years undefeated. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, you know, when I grew up though, you didn't watch the national championship because UCLA was going win. Mm-hmm. Ten years or so many years. How many there? I was at Myrtle Beach one that on national championship, and and he said, "You gonna watch the game?" And nah, you said that's gonna win. Ain't nobody gonna watch the game. And but it's amazing to think with competitive now. Can you think about anybody winning it on the, on that scale now? Nineteen sixty four, the Civil Rights Act was signed by President Johnson. The Beatles performed on the Ed Sullivan Show. The 13-overtime game happened on leap night. Coach John Wooden led UCLA to the first of 10 national championships in a 12-year span. That year, Cassius Clay, later Muhammad Ali, became uh, the world heavyweight boxing champion that year. That's a lot Packed into one year, Frank. That's right. And you know, you're thinking about the Beatles were coming up. You know, people don't understand. But when the, when I was in college, 
the, of the top 10 songs the Beatles had. I know nine of them might have had 10, but you know, you, you, it's hard to imagine that a, a musical group would have all 10. Well, UCLA was the Beatles of college basketball, I guess we could say. That's right. Finally, Frank, can you put into words how Campbell and this community has impacted you? Well, that's no question. Coach Black planted a seed. In basketball, I'm a long ways from being able any time a superstar, but I got by and Coach Black planted a seed in the eighth grade and made me have a love for the game of basketball. And I thought I was coming to Camel to give it up. But Coach, Coach McCall gave me the opportunity to be on the team, not necessarily to contribute anything, because I don't think he thought I was even good enough that he was going to need me. But I reckon I was so persistent and so uh, always there, to, you know, and I was from uh, the area. and uh, But he, he kept me around. And sooner or later, I played a little bit here, a little bit there. But I'm, you know, I, I always tell my boys, you know, because you know, they hear. A lot of people think just because you played in that 13 overtime game, you were a superstar. No, I won't no superstar. It, as a matter of fact, that's the most point I ever got in the game. I don't know how I can get them money. But I meant, uh, but in our time, it was good. But I don't know how it would measure up. In this day and time, you see what I'm saying. We, we, and uh, but we uh, ain't no question that basketball and coaches and people influenced me. And Camel, you know, that I, I developed all my, I guess, skills of what I am today. Being a coach, I down retired. My I was always involved in coaches. Um, all my boys were athletes. Mm -hmm. uh, that you know you 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 are what you live, and if you if you uh, that's the one I give credit to Coach McCall, met Coach Black. He always opened the gym. We didn't have anywhere else to go, but he took the time to open the gym, and I feel like I'm a product of the fact that he was willing to give up his time and efforts to be there. You know, well, my dad my dad was there, but he. He was he was working. His job, Coach Black's job, was to coach and 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 be around. But he didn't have to be around as much as he was. Saturday morning he'd open the gym. We'd be up there. We'd walk. We had to walk, but we got there. But the, but the two uh, other than my dad, the t two men that that developed me, that made me coach. I coached for sixteen years at, at my old high school. I coached to I coached and taught twenty three years. And when my wife died, I I, uh, in 97, uh, she was sick three years and I never did go back. Uh, but I, uh, and I didn't really want a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of the fathers. I pretty much decided I won't want to coach my sons too. I supported them and I was at every game, but you know, I didn't know that it, whether it was true or not, it, I didn't want to have to say, well, you, he wouldn't be playing if you want your son. And I coached him in little league and all that. But I made a I made a conscious decision when I was at Boone Trail and I went to the uh, Western Hornet. My boys were young and getting ready to move into the 
I coached my oldest boy in middle school. Mm -hmm. I made my decision then. And circumstances, too, caused me not. But I coached him in uh, in eighth grade. And I decided then, what, what, however they do, I'll support them, but I don't want to be the coach. And, uh, and my, and both of my, and he never did, he never did play after the eighth grade. And one thing, they, uh, he went to uh, camp, but he, he didn't have the love for the game. My other two did, but, but the other two, uh, played four A and, and were very, very good at it. Like I, like I told them, they would, you know, the, the people in the community might think I was better than they were, but hey, I know. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I, I ain't no, but you know, when you hear it, you know, someone tells you, they didn't never see my boys play, but, and they couldn't have played college, but if I, uh, uh, they probably didn't ever strive to, Greg could have played, but you know, you I tell you one thing, it's work. You, you don't play just because you want to. It's, it's, it's work. Uh, we went, we went to, uh, you begin on the bus at, 11 o'clock, drive to Catawba, had the pregame in at 4.30, go in and play at 7, get back at 10.30. You expect you to go to class the next day. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 hey, it's not easy. We go to practice at 3.30 every afternoon and, and, and get out at 6.30. I mean, it's work, and, it, and it's time-consuming. And, uh, and, but I enjoyed it, and it made me who I am. Well, Frank Stewart says that he would not have been good enough to play on his son's 4A team, but 60 years ago at Carter Gym, the man scored more than half of the points for the team that won the longest game in basketball history never since on the high school, college, or pro level equaled 13 overtimes. And I'm Stan Cole, and our guest today on Tales from the Creek has been Frank Stewart. Thank you, Frank, for sharing your Tales well, from the Creek. Thank you. I I, I enjoyed talking and reminiscing, uh, but, you know, it, it brings a lot of memories uh, just to ride through the campus.